0: It's science week and the contestants are dusting off their lab coats and getting out their laser pointers. Will they put you to sleep with a boring biology lecture or will their electric personalities teach you something new about physics? Find out this week on America's Next Top Podcaster. Greetings and welcome to America's Next Top Podcaster, the reality competition that takes a bunch of strange podcast parts we found in the Spotify dumpster, puts them together, shocks them with lightning, and calls it a podcasting challenge. My name's Bobby Frankenberger. Last week, the contestants went through a classic ANTP challenge, Interview Week where they all interviewed Ali Spagnola and put together their own podcast episode. There were some winners, there were some losers, and ultimately Theo Seibald got sent home. But there wasn't much time to mourn because our host Brian Ibbett issued the next challenge right away, Science Week. Or more accurately, the Education Challenge, because this week, the contestants are being tasked with creating a podcast whose aim is to educate listeners on a particular field of science. Each team was given one of either biology, chemistry, or physics, and asked to use whatever format, genre, and content they wanted to teach their listeners about their chosen area of science. The first team we're going to travel along with this week is the team who lost the previous week, three the hard way. After losing Theo Seibold, now there was only Trip Rogers and Keysign. Taking the loss a bit hard, the team took the night off and didn't meet right away, instead choosing to brainstorm separately and discuss over text chat. It wouldn't be long before they met, however, since they were being given special coaching and advice on science podcasting by... Me, the resident science podcaster on our production staff. Since they did lose the previous week, the other two teams were allowed to pick their science topic areas first, and so Key and Tripp were left with chemistry. This didn't seem to bother Key, though, who had already taken some very specific inspiration from one of our judges. Hello, Three the Hard Way. You guys are here for some science coaching, and I'm really glad to be able to do this for you this week. How can I help you? Excellent. Well. Um,
1: We have a great idea. I have decided uh, as the project manager to shamelessly steal from Justin. I'm unapologetically creating The World's Most Dangerous Chemical. It is a podcast where... You know, every episode would be about you know a very dangerous compound, and there happen to be a lot of dangerous compounds. And so, for this, um, we're going to be talking about um, a fun thing called chlorine tetrafluoride. Effectively, it's a thing that makes everything burn, like literally everything. Like you can you throw this on asbestos, and the asbestos will violently erupt into flames. <laughs> like it is. Some nasty stuff. Um, and we've got, uh, you know, it starts out, you know, if you're familiar with World's Greatest Con and how Justin tends to kind of structure things, um, where it's like, picture this, a lab in Nazi Germany. And we're talking about, like, you know, how they discover this material that is the ultimate super weapon, But then they realize maybe it's so super it might not be a good thing for them to even have because it destroys the containers that they put it in and anything you use to try to extinguish it just makes it burn more. It's a
0: great hook because it's like immediately you're drawn in and you're like, what could this thing possibly be? It's, it's destroying. You can't even put it in something because it just, it sets it on fire and it burns Ex- it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. The stuff um, is the most powerful oxidizer known to man. And we effectively do a very quick explainer of what an oxidizer is teaching somebody.
0: You pulled yeah. that idea right out of my head because that's what I was going to make sure to say if you didn't say it is look for those opportunities. One of the things you got to do when you're trying to teach somebody about something is uh, every step of the way, if there's ever a question about you, got, you have to anticipate what your audience is going to the questions they are going to ask. And you have to answer them by the time that they they think, what is that? Have an answer ready. Don't let them wait too long. okay.
1: Helping people understand this word that they have definitely heard before, but what does it actually mean? What does it mean? And now we've just taught them that um, thanks to the world's most dangerous chemical.
0: Right. so the 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 dangers I see with this is possibly accidentally making it all dressing and no salad. Um, you need to have, you need to feed people the healthy salad that gets their brain nourished, you know, um, which is going to be your things like what is oxid, what is an oxidizer? What is oxidation and how does that cause things? But, um, when you're teaching those things, make sure you're also, you're hooking it into not because, because chemistry especially can be some somewhat inaccessible. So you have to find Mm -hmm. ways to anchor it into into knowledge that people will already have um so the first thing that pops into my head when you're talking about oxidizers is actually oxygen some people think that that oxygen pure oxygen is flammable but it's not you could use that there's a free one you can use oxygen and the fact that it's not flammable it's actually an oxid it's the it's the quintessential oxidizer and it Mm -hmm. just it helps things to burn and then you can explain why that is and how that relates to this. And then you've got the Rust thing also, and how that kind of relates as well. So, all of that and those are things. Those are those anchor points. You're you're hooking it into knowledge that people already have and making them mm-hmm. interested because they're like, oh, hmm, I didn't know that. And that's the that's the gold right there is when people are have those oh cool moments, you know and the way you facilitate those oh interesting those kinds of feelings is by again hooking it into something that people already know or think they know um, but maybe have been getting it wrong be careful with that by the way because if you make if you if you correct people's knowledge about something sometimes you risk um, alienating and alienating or making them feel dumb and you have to be very careful about that I like your idea all right after getting some tips on how to communicate and teach the science part of their episode, Key and Tripp took their concept to their podcasting coach, Tom Merritt, to get some notes on the overall layout and what he thought about their approach.
2: Hey, Team 3 Hey, How's it going, man? <laughs> uh, it's going well. Well, the problem is there's only two of us.
3: And, uh, <laughs> no, I,
2: I know you have chemistry by process yes. of elimination, right?
3: Yes, that is correct. We have chemistry... Um, he is 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 really
1: got a great idea and, and, and essentially so pretty much what we're doing is the world's most dangerous chemicals. Um I am just stealing from jury at this moment, and um I am not gonna be apologetic. Um where we're effectively talking about Nazi Germany and like crazy weaponry and different things that they have and happening upon the, the chemical, finding that it's really, really impractical for them to try to use and it requires some very, very special handling or else it'll catch the container it's in on fire. Mm-hmm. this is this is the crazy stuff and then this might be the world's most dangerous
2: chemical i like that layout a lot like get me hooked with a cool nazi tale right like yes uh you know the historical tale then tell me like okay so here's what we're talking about here's why it's so dangerous here's the oxidization but i would i would steer you towards questioning that that title i think the title can work and i think you explained to me why it why it will work But when you first said it, my reaction was, well, all chemicals are dangerous. So this one's just like really dangerous, right? World's most dangerous is awesome until you say chemical, at which point the listener is like, "Mm, yeah, chemicals are dangerous. I know that. Everybody knows that. So so you might want to change that. You might want to tweak that pitch a little bit.
1: I will fight for world's most dangerous chemical. My thought process is I am. We know chemicals can be dangerous and everything, but I'm saying this might be the world's most dangerous, and the and everything that I'm saying is with the kind of the premise of kind of like world's most dangerous con. That's kind of what he's doing. It, this the, what we're talking about today very well may be you know the world's greatest con.
2: I'm yeah. I'm just telling you what my reaction was. You can okay. do with that what what you wish uh I, I would recommend taking that reaction into account because it's gonna be yeah. there among in somebody
1: okay um are there any other challenges that you think that we might have with this kind of premise?
2: you know fitting it into the ten minutes like this this feels like it's comfortably a fifteen to twenty minute uh concept uh so you're gonna have to be extra tight uh i think to to make sure that that you fit into the time but yeah,
1: I don't wanna weigh too much on the science. Mm-hmm. I want to respect the science. You want to teach, but you don't want to bore.
2: So- I feel like too that that if you're if you're you're assigning minutes at some point you're like, okay, I gotta cut down. I would give the most minutes to the history because that's where you can have the most fun okay. and use the most sound and and be the most compelling. then okay. the how it works is number two, and the what it's used for i mean you you explain that in like two sentences to me, and yeah. I totally get it you could yeah. you could take more and if you have more time, you should but but that one I feel like needs needs the least times and and okay. then that gives you a nice like the show is speeding up as it goes along which always makes it feel like it's more exciting right okay like
1: it's pushing forward it's moving forward and there's motion okay Mm -hmm. okay yeah i think this is um, is a
2: great concept though i like like this is fully formed uh and looking good so so good stuff I'm, i'm excited to listen to this one
0: After sanding down the rough edges of the concept with Tom Merritt, it seemed that the majority of the remaining work lie in the writing of a compelling historical story and making sure the narrative was engaging. The pair worked on that a bit more before recording and editing.
3: Uh, I'm just gonna add this in here. You can work it however you want to, but it talks about a, a very strong oxidizer and fluorinating agent. I, mean, I took it from from uh, Wikipedia okay it's extremely reactive with most inorganic and organic materials and will combust with many otherwise non-flammable materials without any ignition source I thought that was a really good one <laughs> you know I, I I like I like I read that and I'm like oh my god that just reads like you the world's most dangerous chemical.
1: He's got a point there. I mean, all his chemicals are dangerous, but um, it, it's kind I, of the I, premise, I, but kind of the the bit, <laughs> uh, and and everything is that I'm I'm married to that concept of just completely aping his style, which is kind of a part of that. But to the same respect, we do need to look at this and and speak to. This as a standalone, like Tom said. And the other thing I was going to say
3: is, with the world's most dangerous chemical, what if we added a bit of of reverb behind it to make it sound threatening?
1: So um, we could, but um, um, I strongly would impress upon you so that you can get a feel of exactly what I'm doing If you have not heard an episode of World's Greatest Con, any of this season is perfect because they're all standalone episodes. So just just throw a dart and just listen to one of the episodes. It's like, um, but just listen to one of the episodes and um, you will understand um, exactly The sound that I'm going for and kind of the tone that I'm going for. It's human and you know when things happen that are just like you know that's crazy I'm just kind of giving it's a conversation. It's very conversational and simplify it to the bare minimum that needs to be said for the concept to be understood. And um, I am taking in um, that really strong bit of information that um, Bobby gave, which was we need to make sure that we don't ever say like, you know, what you think you knew about that is wrong. It might sound like it's, you know, something, but in reality, what that's doing is that's just saying you're stupid. Here's the correct answer. And I want to, everything to be, this is what you know about this. But did you also know this? Picture this. The year is 1939. The place? A lab in Nazi Germany. Already, you should be picturing a place filled with unthinkable things. After all, these guys were pretty determined to make things that unmake their enemies. Their latest horror is a newly discovered compound that they have codenamed Unstuff, a.k.a.
0: Substance N. This
1: chemical...
0: Remember that if you want to hear the podcast submissions from each team in their entirety, you can find them all on the podcast feed for America's Next Top Podcaster. We'll see how their team, Three the Hard Way, did later in the episode. In the meantime, let's check in on the winning team from last week, Questionable Ivory Drinks, the other duet team made up of September McCready and Bill Meeks. After winning last week's challenge with their interview podcast, all about Ali Spagnola's life in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, September and Bill got first choice of science topic areas for this week's challenge they picked physics and got to work right away on a concept the two of them spent their first night of planning and debate over their two ideas which they were both very attached to
4: when they suggested it it pops into my head i kind of like the idea of maybe doing like like something geared towards kids you know like a, it, it it'll let us be a little goofy without having to be Necessarily, comedically sophisticated. I don't know, like something like Beekman's World or something would be kind of. There's funny.
5: a lot of landmines there, though. I mean, it's a really small demo in podcasting. You don't want to be dumbing down mm-hmm. um, and and engaging kids.
4: I know, I know there are several good kind of podcasts in this category that my wife has listened to with my kids on occasion. I'm trying to remember the names of some of them, but there were ones that were done. Yeah, there were goofy. Yeah, there were booger jokes. But by the same token, they kind of held her attention too, and it was something they'd always listened to like on the rides to school. Part of my thinking with the kid thing is just, you know, my name's Bill, but I'm not a science guy. With science topics, you can get so complex and so high minded and higher level in the conversation that it might be a benefit to us on the product. I mean, I don't know how you are with science, but it might be a produ- uh, benefit to me on the production end of it to keep it simple, stupid. You know what I mean? mean
5: well i had another thought having it okay. be the stuff you hear about all the time in your sci-fi shows and grabbing on one of those things the topic like the actual science behind and there's yeah. plenty of material out there i mean there's a recent thing I was reading about wormholes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I
4: love that. Let me take your idea like it's a Rubik's Cube in my hand and let me twist it a couple times here. What if we did something like the physics of the DC universe or the physics of this or the physics of that property? Like maybe try and do it through like a pop culture lens.
5: Well, what I think you've got there is definitely the flavor and the relatable hits we want to be able to make to keep people engaged in what we're teaching. Mm-hmm. But doing it f- through that lens or from that point of view, I think, has a danger of stepping straight out of it being actually educational. And and I'm almost at the end. I'm at the end of season six of DS9. And there's the whole wormhole like that predicated the well, entire you know show. What?
4: You you love Star Trek. I know that about you from our conversations we've had. We should do it on Star Trek. Well, I'm especially right? into it right now. Um, yeah. Well, if you're but... immersed in it, all the better. That's what better time to you know do do a, <laughs> do an episode on it than when you're immersed in it. And I and I know enough about it that I won't be completely useless. So I think you know the more specific we can <sighs> make
5: this idea, the science in your fiction.
4: The science in your fiction? I like that. I like that for the general concept. I think for the episode, like I said, we should really kind of narrow it down. Right, and then we
5: can narrow it down.
0: Once they started feeling like they were coming together with a single vision, September and Bill decided to take a break for the night and chat again the next day before getting some science coaching from me. However, it seemed that over the course of the night, the kids' podcast idea began to worm its way back into Bill's thoughts.
5: But we still have to decide, like, if we go with the kids show, that's an entirely different thing. If we did a kids one, some principle of physics, aim it at, you know, science fair middle school group and then do it in the form of scientific method. Uh-huh. Where it's a kid has a question or we present it as you might have been wondering if you're studying in class about this. If you want like a
4: dumb kid for to for people to explain stuff to, I can either do it. I have a couple stock kid voices I do myself. And I also have <laughs> uh, three kids in the house. But
5: I can be like this, you know, and then you pitch shift it up just about half a step. And it sounds like I'm 11 years old. If we were doing it for kids, I would really want kids' voices. And mm-hmm. it's, it's another potential landmine the the Trek physics thing I looked by the way and the science in your fiction is not a show and the breadth of potential topics is just huge I just kept thinking of more things and then I was watching a show and it brought things up
4: it might be a nice thread to be like you know, how Star Trek shaped technology. Like, pick three of these. Kind of like talking about like maybe Geordie's visor and how that's kind of inspired. Say, tablets and t- phones like we were talking about. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be interesting. I mean, I don't want to do
5: a Peabody and Sherman.
4: Um, <laughs> but... You know, it makes it really easy to explain stuff while keeping it sort of, you know, character-based, which keeps us, you know, interested as, a, as humans, you know? Maybe the character is someone who just assumed everything on his favorite show was real you know like uh yeah and when we get to space i'm gonna i'm gonna replicate things because you know we have repli no we don't have replicators this is y this is x you know that
5: sort of thing like that i I think it's too far i I, i'm afraid of going into comedy or hammy, cheesy stuff when we're Mm -hmm. supposed to be doing a science show that is educational. (laughs) Like, unless it's a kid's show. Still
0: not sure whether they were going to go with their kid's show idea or their science of Star Trek idea, the two of them met with me to get some pointers on communicating science and to see what I thought about the competing ideas. All right. He- hello. Uh, I get to enjoy your company in a different capacity this week because I'm going to be coaching you guys on Science Week, my favorite week, of course, because I love science. Yeah. So um, I won't waste your time with my introductions. I will let you go ahead and get to it and start. What? How can I help you guys? What are you guys thinking about?
4: Well, uh, we have kind of a concept here called the science in your fiction. I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to September to kind of discuss it because it's kind of she's the big Trekkie. So it, it's kind of her baby. So go ahead. September.
5: so um yeah the science in your fiction and then framing it whether we do it as one thing in Trek that people hear all the time all the time and is that real or is that not
6: mm-hmm.
5: um and we could do it as, we could focus on particles like what are pot- particles versus theoretical particles or ones that are proven and how they really work or not we could touch on the story of the mri yeah because apparently it was like a physics professor who got the idea from tricorders and Star Trek.
0: Yeah so what I like about this idea is that it fulfills one of the the big things that I always think about when I'm thinking about what to talk about in terms of science on 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 my show, which is uh, relatability. there's this like there's this idea of anchoring and constructivist learning theory that where you want things to be, Um, anything you want to teach somebody new, especially the more complicated it gets, you always want to anchor it into some kind of, um, domain of knowledge that, that your, your audience already has. Here's a bunch of information. You might do a great job explaining it, but if they don't have any way to relate to it or care about it, then they're not going to remember it. Um, and that's your goal is to get someone to remember it so much so that they want to and be excited about it so much so that they want to tell somebody else about it is if you can catch somebody's attention and get them excited about an idea, then they're they're much more receptive to learning about it. So that's what you want to do is you want to find those things in this area that you're thinking about, about science fiction stuff specifically. Are, are you staying with Star Trek? Are you are you are you set on that?
5: Well, we have another idea to. um Bill had an idea to make it into a kids science show.
0: Yeah, I love the idea of kids stuff. It would interest me. Um, one of the things that you, the risk with that, for, if you're thinking about it on more of a meta competition level, you, it's harder to predict how the judges are going to react to because when you when you're when you're doing something um, kid oriented, you have to approach it differently. Mm-hmm. For a kid, for a kid audience, and you could do a great job at that. It's just you—you got to wonder: is are the judges' heads going to be in th- in that space?
4: So if if we were to approach it that way, we would have to make sure to strike a balance to where we're not uh, keeping the judges
0: out of it because it's too kiddie. Well, you could also use the kids. Maybe don't explicitly say that it's a kids' show, but you can use the kids as a device. Mm-hmm. to to teach. Um you know there's the whole classic we d- I do this on our podcast it's structured as a a Peabody and Sherman style thing. Yeah. You have your you have your expert who's talking to someone who either truly doesn't know what you're talking about or is at least pretending not to know. Mm-hmm. And um and that's a really good Setup for for education and science, especially
5: physics in particular, is going to be much much harder to find something you can explain in that language than and keep it engaging. Oh, I don't know. The That's other. the
0: challenge right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I would disagree with that. I've t- told okay. I tell my kids physicsy stuff all the time. It's just finding the language to say it now, now. Like if you're trying to, you know, there are some things that are going to be a little more challenging. But really, the challenge there is what do you leave out? Because you can still explain some of the high-level concepts, you can still find ways to to express. Um, so I wouldn't write things off and assume that they're too complicated.
4: Yeah. Do you think a good path to kind of simplifying it uh, for an audience would be to you know find like, find like some sort of like really strong metaphor to hang a concept?
0: Absolutely. On. Metaphor is huge. Um, I try to look for those whenever I can. Another tool for simplifying things, we have a rule on our show. Every segment that we have, whether it be news or some kind of feature segment where we're talking about a big science thing, um, sometimes this is hard and we break this rule, but we start from this place, which is we have a budget of only one complicated, jargony word per segment. <laughs> um, anything else we need to say that has one of those words, we find another way to say it. Um and we only have the one because we if we have the one we can use it we can define it and we can continue to use it and remind people how we defined it but if we add in more then mm-hmm. then they start getting tangled and overlapping and and it's hard to remember which one which definition goes to which word and and all that kind of stuff After Bill and September got some great science communication advice, and it was great advice if I do say so myself, they were still struggling to choose between their two competing podcast ideas. Luckily, they were about to meet with their podcasting coach, Tom Merritt, who would offer some advice of his own.
2: Hello, Team One, and Hi, what Tom. science topic are you picking? Uh, we picked physics, Tom. Easy, easy stuff, right? Yeah, That's yeah, great. we
4: figured we'd go for the simple, you know, <laughs> it's natural sciences and then physics, and, and there's no in between, really.
2: <laughs> yeah, so just, you know, balls dropping with feathers at the same rate, stuff. Now, what are you going to yeah, do? And the one I'm kind of leaning towards, and se- September's uncomfortable with, but she's supporting
4: me on, <laughs> is, okay. uh, Good for you. Is, to, is to do it as a, uh, a kid's show. Uh, where it's basically kind of like a Peabody and Sherman dynamic Mm -hmm. where there's a student who's seen something on Star Trek and then uh, the teacher character would use that as an in to talk about, uh, you know, technology on Star Trek
2: and different Mm -hmm. technologies Mm -hmm. that have been developed from Star Trek. Okay, well, the kid Mr. Peabody thing is the high risk, high reward option, right? Uh, If it comes off too cheesy or the humor doesn't land or if it gets in the way of understanding, then you might get dinged. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, so what I'm, what I'm saying is neither one of you are wrong in the approach. Uh, the question is how much risk you want to put into it.
4: If, if we go with the kid version, do you think we should target it to be super short? So if it's a kid show, which would normally be 10 or 12 minutes, should we make it, try and aim to make it five or six minutes? No,
2: I, I, I would aim to make it the exact amount of time it needs to be, to be good. Uh, within, mm-hmm. within the restrictions of, of the, you know, of, of the challenge. The, the other thing is, do you have a kid?
4: Absolutely. Okay. I also like, um, I think I have a daughter who has a really great voiceover voice that we can bring in to record those lines. So yeah, we'll probably see how it kind of shakes out.
2: Like you need an actual kid and you need to play it straight. Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: mm-hmm.
2: like, mm-hmm. like have an actual kid who's actually interested, or at least, you yeah. know, you can't tell they're not. Uh, yeah. and and, and so that's what I mean. High risk, high reward. Like you could pull it off. And you're like, mm. oh my gosh, that was like public radio quality stuff. Uh, so mm. I guess our, our time is up, but it good, is. good stuff. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: It seemed like the questionable ivory drinks were settling into the Kids Science Podcast idea. Bill just needed to do the last bit of convincing September to come along with him on this risky idea before they went forward.
4: But uh, I think after talking to him, that that phrase, high risk, high reward, is just so appealing to me.
5: I know. I think I want to
4: go there. I think I want to go there.
5: I know. Um, <laughs> I've been stressed <laughs> out. It's like, it's where your heart is. And I know you want mm-hmm. to do that high risk, re- high reward. And I will, I will be supportive. I will do the absolute best I can. I, you know, I'll be editing. If we're doing the kids' show, I really don't like the trek in it.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: I really have a hard time making that work in my head and finding a physics lesson example that's gonna be. I don't think we need to tie it into start. I think that overcomplicates the story that we want to be getting kids to relate to science. Like, I don't think we need the extra level. Like, it's a really good way to Mm -hmm. explain and and use it as a metaphor to teach science to fans and to adults. I don't think it's maybe the best way to teach it to kids. See, that's what Mm -hmm. I mean. we're, We're putting a hat on a hat to add the star trek to the kids show i it's very
4: easy to you know kind of find some transition from that into what the real topic is which is x-rays and holograms but that's just kind of a cool thing or that's a thing for kids to grow on to kind of grab onto because every kid you know loves their ipad right
5: right so but there's also a lot easier ways like you know oh my gosh you know um Bobby's wow, wearing a cast he broke his arm like and or you know you're taking your kid in for an x-ray or you're're you're the teacher waiting at the school nurse where the kid is getting picked up and you're explaining about how they're gonna need to get an x-ray and what that is I, I'm
4: gonna set it up as a challenge to me as I develop that outline how, how to kind of bring that in I don't know if it'll be the kid has a cast or something like that but I think the x-ray is the end I think that cleans it up a lot and I, th- I love that. I love that.
5: There's a lady in my town who helps kids with their science questions. She's not hard to find. You just go to the science center, find the big door with a molecule painted on it, knock three times, and say,
6: Hey, Marie Marie Molecule! Molecule.
5: Eliza, so good to see you. Come in, come in. Uh, Thanks, Miss Molecule. Oh dear, what's wrong Eliza? Y- you sound so anxious. I'm worried about my brother Liam. Well, what happened? Liam was riding his friend Christopher's dirt bike and he didn't know how to ride a dirt bike and he hit the brakes and it freaking flipped over. Oh no, is he okay?
0: Well, let's check in on our third team, the unsolicited manuscripts. This is the only team left with three people in it, Kelly Colby, Jason Peters, and Ken Pelishok. They ended up getting to choose biology as their science area, which they viewed as a good thing since Kelly has a degree in biology. Right away after judging was finished, the team met to discuss how they wanted to get things started with this educational science challenge.
7: Yeah, if you could kind of give me an idea, Kelly, of what you were seeing and how, what the program would look like, you know, beginning, middle and end, so to speak.
8: Well, I'm not thinking beginning, middle and end right now. I haven't gotten that far. What I'm thinking is I'm just taking all of their input. So they said they want a discussion about the science. They said they want to learn something by the end. Um, So they have to be able to learn something. They also want, um, they've said over and over again, they want clips. So we need to have something that we can put clips in. We need to actually listen to what it is the judges are telling us. So I think we need to give them exactly what they're asking for.
9: They just mapped the human genome. Like, I know I thought they did that like 10 years ago or whatever, but I guess Um, there were were gaps and they finally...
8: They did that in the late the 90s, thing. so I'd be very interested to see what thing you just read. But I will do that. So if you all see some kind of cool new science things, you know, send that to me and then we'll we'll look at that, too. It does seem clear that, like, they kind of
7: want this to be accessible to, like, someone coming in with no background on anything, right? Right. Like, it definitely yep. needs to be, like, presented to a layman so... Uh-huh. I th- so, for example, like, I mean, just upfront, I don't know what a genome is. I don't know what genome mapping looks like. I don't know what the mm-hmm. effects on that are. Right. So we want to make sure that we set up a format to where we can convey some very basic information at the top and then sort of extrapolate from there as we get into it. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking we need sure to do bigger
8: picture. I don't think we're, we're, we've all been talking about micro. I think we need to go macro. I think we need to talk about an environment or an animal. First of all, it'll be easier to get a sound thing in. Okay. If we do that, because um, we can get the sound in of the animal, you know, we can get some kind of behavioral thing in there. Like from a –
7: so the one thing that I've, I'm like as the editor, right, is I'm thinking about the mm-hmm. soundscape and yep. that's a really strong – uh, like setup, concept, whatever you want to call it, because yeah, we can mm-hmm. do so much with the sound design, right? Like we can incorporate right. whatever the animals you know, mating calls are, their danger uh-huh. calls, you know, we can use some Serengeti music if it's in the jungle or whatever, but yeah, mm-hmm. basically what I'm saying is, you know, I can be sold on any direction as long as I can see it and feel good and like, oh, okay, yes, I see that. Cool. We're all on the same page. Like, we see the same.
8: So I'm doing everything to try to find the this silent frog, I wanna find its darn chirp. So I went on I even went to Twitter, um, and there's a whole frog thing that also posted the story. And I asked okay. them, I'm like, does anyone have a recording of this? So I'm gonna see if anyone answers. Um, because I can't find the recording anywhere. Um, but cause that would be so cool. But putting frog sounds in of these other frogs and, you know, doing jungle sounds and having that kind of thing on, I tried to find the interview of the guy who discovered them. Um, But I can't find his voice anywhere. Uh, But he actually saw it in the field first. Okay. So now it's no sound. So that's the first story. The second story is they found two new species of frogs. And this is a cool thing, too, because we're acting like a live, like this is a podcast that exists. Um, Often a lot of the podcasts, they go, oh, it'll be in the show notes. Look up the picture. Right. So we can do that, too. Yeah. Sounds good. And I mean, I'd love if we can like, you know, do this tomorrow and record it. So if it doesn't work at all, we can scrap it. (laughs) We can just write something.
9: I think if we can focus on getting the listener to care about these frogs, then Mm -hmm. we've got we've got it.
0: The unsolicited manuscripts had very quickly come up with their show concept. Now it was time to get some advice from me, their special science podcasting coach for the week on how to communicate those exciting science facts. Hello, unsolicited Uh, manuscripts. So we're doing science coaching this week, and you've got me as your science coach. What do you guys, what do you need help with? Okay, so
9: our pitch is we are looking at scientists in the field, and we're like three science fans, and we tell each other stories about scientists in the field. And this episode, we're talking about equatorial uh frogs
0: so, so when you say scientists in the field are you talking about scientists as like a general yeah it's like what they're term. actually
8: doing in the field and
0: it'll give you an excuse to talk about some interesting things that are that are being discovered right now you got it do you have any thoughts about how to make it relatable how to make people care uh yeah that's
9: where we were having a hard time like that's that's our goal. Make people care about these frogs.
0: Sometimes research in animals and like with frogs, you know, there's there's it all depends on the specifics, right? If it's um if it's research that's being done because, you know, they're trying to find some chemical that's going to make some drug that's going to save some lives. There's a connection, right? There's there's a reason people might care. Now, that's to, to me, that's maybe a couple of steps to making people care. Sometimes you don't even need people to care as much as you need them just to be excited about yes, hearing about it, that's
8: what I'm going for.
0: Yeah, and and that's not always that's not always about like making people feel to care about things. It's just and the way you accomplish getting someone excited about something is there's this constructivist learning theory idea called anchoring, and it's just um it's it's the idea that you when you're teaching something to somebody you want to connect it to some domain of knowledge that they already have.
8: The coolest thing we had is because one of the stories is about the frogs. They are scientists are actually starting to breed in labs some of these exotic frogs from Ecuador mm-hmm. to sell them in the pet trade so that they can underprice the people actually capturing them oh, so to so, actually protect them in the wild. So that's great. Oh yeah right it's I love so that. cool.
0: So th- that is m- my favorite kind of story and what I mean by that is is over the the time that I've been doing this, I have these like general, like models for how I, how I write something. And, and the mm-hmm. one that you just said would be what I call the bowling alley model. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing you want to do is um, the very first thing you want to do is explain is say the headline, say what you're going to tell them, like kind of spoil it at the beginning. A lot of people think with these kinds of things, you want to like leave them in suspense at the beginning. It doesn't work. Right. I agree. You, you just tell them at the beginning, mm-hmm. this is what this is about. Yep. Now go back and explain, give the background. Then you back up and explain, why is this important? And that's where you set up the problem that exists. And then you go back again and knock the pins down with what's what the science is, what the new thing is that's being done to solve this problem. A couple of other things that I think about when I'm doing um, science-y stuff is metaphor is big. Um, with with the, the stuff that you're talking about, it might not be as important um, because you have a lot of built in you're already probably going to have a lot of imagery you can use that are Mm going to get people thinking dude there's these see-through frogs they're so cool yeah
9: that's that's one thing is um like it's very visual
0: so yeah visual is great but you have to find a way to put those images into people's heads
8: yeah, they look um, like those those jellies. You know those jellies yeah. that you eat at Halloween yeah. that have the organs on the inside. It looks just like that.
0: You're doing great. See, that's what you. That's exactly how you need to do it. Too many people assume that audio is not a visual medium. Uh, we are very visual people. We will make the visuals ourselves. Um, if you if you give us if you give people the fuel to build those visuals, they will make them. So that's what you got to do. All right. All right. Thanks, Bobby. You're awesome. After getting their coaching from me, it was time for their regular podcasting coach, Tom Merritt. They had some questions for Tom regarding how to format their episode and how to structure the writing of the script.
2: Oh, team two. What are we doing this week? Hi, Tom. We
9: are uh, looking at scientists in the field and we're trying to make it like a kind of a conversational, uh, kind of inspired by this podcaster bobby frankenberger we tell different science stories to each other and they all kind of center around a theme three different stories about frogs where we're debating about how much to script it and we don't want to sound scripted not like a wikipedia not a list of facts we mm-hmm. want like a human connection i, I guess i think you need to level
2: this up uh you you need to answer the question uh why would anyone want to listen to this episode? Like um, the
9: idea is they're like um an early warning for the ecosystem kind of thing.
2: Boo. Like they're important. Don't don't tell me bad news. Don't don't oh. don't tell me another like oh and guess why the world is doomed because frogs are dying. Like okay. you have got to tell me something like you can get that message through. But that can't be your message. So it Does needs that to be make ho-
9: sense? Ho- hopeful.
2: Well, it just needs to be like, I want to listen to that, right? If I see like Ecuadorian frogs are dying and the climate is, and it's bad for the climate, I'm going to be like, yep, I know I'm a bad person when I do that. And I'm not going to admit it to you when I do that, obviously, but as a listener, that's what I'm going to do. So okay. you need to tell me like Ecuadorian frogs are the coolest thing ever. Also, if they, and then at the end you go, and also if they all die, we lose all this coolness and the climate is changing and they could all die. So we need to do something, right? That's right. how you get that in. That can't be your main message though. So you need to come up with a killer tease. That, that's where I would start. What is the killer tease that you're going to say at the top of the episode? And And I'm not saying you have to craft it the way I'm about to say it. But it should be something like where you could say, like coming up on the show, a mute toad that secretly sings why scientists are tricking people into make amphibians pets to save them. And gummy frogs are real. Like, yeah. Ooh, know, I like gummy frogs are real. Yes. Gummy frogs are real, I think, is the best totally example stealing. here because yeah. it's short and it gets to the point and it makes you go, well, what? What does that mean? Let me find out more. And then from there, each of the stories doesn't have to carry the weight of being hopeful and exciting. You just have to know what that entry point is so that when you get to the story, you can be like, they aren't exactly gummy frogs, but they're cool. And here's why. To get back to your other question that I didn't answer earlier, like, should this be scripted or or should it be conversations? I feel like each introduction should probably be scripted, although I would recommend bullet points for this so that you don't sound scripted. Uh, But but know what bullet points as if you're telling the rest of the team, Okay, here's mine. I'm going to tell you about the gummy frogs now. Uh, And you could put a music bed under that while you're telling it. And then you have almost staged, but very short, like the other two reacting. But you don't script how it's going to go. Right. So so you know that Kelly's going to ask you know, like where do they, where do they live? Or, or some obvious question that, you know, the listener is going to have, you could give voice to that. You could have a quick back and forth on each of those. All right. No, this is going to be good. You guys, I think you guys are going to rock this. Cool.
8: Thanks Tom. Today on this is a science podcast. We'll virtually travel to Ecuador to see what some herpetologists are up to. turns out there's a mute toad who breaks its vow of silence after a hundred years. A controversial practice attempts to save wild species. And gummy frogs are real. Put on your bug spray and lace up your boots as we head into the tropical rainforest.
9: Hi, I'm Kenny P. and I'm a science super enthusiast.
8: And I'm Kelly Colby with a degree in biology I haven't touched since I earned it. Now, Kelly,
9: you mentioned herbatologist up in the (laughs) intro. What specifically is that? The herbatologists are the scientists that study...
6: Hello, Hammond Chamberlain again. Said it once, I'll say it again. I'll say it all the time. Noise is a constant problem. There are big noises, there are consistent noises, there are loud noises, there are room noises, there are clicks, there's pops, there's all kinds of things. And the more noise you can reduce and the easier you can reduce it, the better everything sounds. For general noise suppression, I use the Waves NS1 Noise Suppressor. This is the most intuitive professional noise suppression plugin I have ever used. It is one slider and it adjusts the gate using just one slider. It instantly analyzes and adapts to your signal in real time, bringing the foreground into focus as it eliminates unnecessary background noise. Also, it features an attenuation meter so you can just see how much overall energy is being removed from your signal input. It's got automatic adaptive real-time noise suppression. It's ideal for dialogue, voiceovers, broadcast, music, and more. And it is amazing to use. This is the first thing I drop into my mix chain on any voice. I set it to about 30% and then make adjustments from there. I love the NS1. It is easy. It is simple. It is effective. And I cannot recommend it more highly than I do. So if you want more information on the Waves NS1 Noise Suppressor, go to waves.com or click the link in the show notes.
0: It's time to get headed over to see Brian on the stage and hear what the judges thought about the week's submissions. But before we do, you know what time it is. Let's hear what podcast coach Tom Merritt thought about the work the teams were doing this week.
2: So team one, uh, they they have one of the harder ones to do, physics. Although there's some really fun stuff with physics, and I'm glad they figured that out. Uh, with science in your fiction. Uh, the idea of, of using the kids thing and, and being kind of Mr. Wizard isn't bad. Uh, that can be really fun. That, that could really go over well. But like I told them, it's high risk, high reward. Uh, the other thing that concerns me about this team is that they're still kind of split on which of these they, they're going to do. Uh, and they really need to just settle on one. And there's no wrong answer. Uh, I know how that can go with a team, though, if you, got, if you got two people who are really attached to their ideas. So I hope they're able to figure it out. Team two uh, has one that it is is very niche because it's about Ecuadorian frogs, not just frogs, Ecuadorian frogs. Uh, but they've got good stories, and that's what's important. So I, I really, really worked with them to try to get them to understand. Like, you have to tell me why it's exciting, uh, and I think our our discussion made that clear. Like when you told me at the beginning. Uh, you didn't make it sound exciting, and I was nervous about your idea. When you told me what the stories were, I got very excited. So make sure you start with the good stuff. Start with the exciting stuff in the podcast, and I think it'll be a really good one. Team 3 has a solid idea. Uh, they they have a a great layout. Uh, it's really about execution with them. Uh, we spent most of the time talking about how to position it uh, so that that it comes across that that this is, you know... Really, really dangerous stuff. Really cool stuff. Uh, and I, I think they can they can figure that out. It seems like like uh, they actually got the importance of that. And and then it was uh, fundamentals, which means they're the farthest along of these three teams. Which always uh, gives you a little bit of uh, an advantage.
10: Greetings and welcome to America's Next Top Podcaster. It's a masterclass in podcasting that drank some weird blue liquid in their laboratory, and now every time there's a full moon, they turn into a reality competition. I'm your host, Brian Ibbett. Tonight on the show, we're going to put on our lab coats and move from the science of podcasting to the podcasting of science. By the end of the episode, we'll see. If we still don't know much about biology, physics, and chemistry, But to do that, we need a wonderful world of judges. Let's meet them now. From the Frog Pants Network, Scott Johnson. Hello and welcome. From the Dog and Pony Show Audio, it's Justin Robert Young. Hey, everybody. And from Infinite Gain, happy to welcome back Jenny Josephson. Oh, hello. Live and in person.
11: Yay!
10: Uh, All right. Well, last week, we give our teams the challenge of creating a teaching podcast specifically about the areas of biology, chemistry, and physics. And we're looking for high-level concepts explained in an easy-to-understand way, uh, keeping listeners engaged with potentially dry or dense material, and relating information to an average audience member, all in the space of 10 minutes. Uh, Overall, judges, how do you think our teams did?
11: They did podcasts.
12: (laughs) Yeah, they felt like podcasts, like proper podcasts. Um, I think all three, all three of them, had the tone of a show that hey, this has maybe been around for a while. If I didn't know any better, and
10: absolutely something that we that we, you know, once we get this far in the competition, those the shows they produce can't feel like just a one-off thing. So great. All right. Well, we're going to start this week with three the hard way. Who uh, they pulled chemistry out of the top hat of uh, science uh, with Trip and Project Manager Key. Hey, how's it going? Good. How about you? How you doing? Well, it, it was
1: um, after last week's loss. It was um, a little tough, um, mm-hmm. and so we just kind of um, bowed our heads and uh, decided to take in the gospel of uh, WWJD. Uh, you know what would uh, Justin do? I, I just we we just tr- tr- decided to try to just steal his entire thing.
10: All right, it, it, you know we have two other judges right
12: uh oh it's fine you, you, you gotta you take order. who you can take from whoever leaves their cards <laughs> on the table and you like them go just go it's totally fine
10: uh all right so with um, world's most dangerous chemical what would the show like before this episode or after this episode would be uh would it be about like is there a second most dangerous chemical or would well, there um th- kind of um my inspiration here is
1: um world's greatest con which is mm-hmm. the fascination of mine if you haven't noticed sure but um kind of the idea is uh, especially with the most recent season they're all a bunch of different things so it's not so much making the claim saying you know this is 100 it's this could be this may be and so there's tons of chemicals out there but um this one i felt had kind of a really good hook all
10: right well good um, yeah, material-wise, I mean, you've got at least six different flavors of Mountain Dew that would work for other episodes in this series, so uh, I think this is this is a, a a podcast that's got some legs. Let's go ahead and get to our judges. We're going to start things off with Jenny.
11: Oh, hi. So, first of all, I liked your title, I thought, for your podcast. Um, I think you did a good job on the part uh, that was science-y, right, and the part about rockets and the part about everything but i have got to talk to you about tone and how you use tone to talk about nazis nazis are not light-hearted flippant things do not be cute or vague about the holocaust when you say something like after all these guys were pretty determined to make things that unmake their enemies. You are referencing the Shoah, the thing that killed six million European Jews, many other people who were considered to be undesirable, and my family and the entire village where they lived. If you are going to add history to your science podcast, please get your facts right. Mustard gas was used in World War I by Germans not Nazis, who didn't technically exist yet. They were used by Germans, British. They were used by a lot of, mustard gas was used by a lot of people. So the Nazis were not the people that pioneered gas warfare. They did use gas in their chambers. And so you did a whole thing about the Nazis and gas and somehow kept one out. And I don't know what's worse, that you kept it out or what you would have done with it if you said it. Tone is really, really important. Writing is really, really important. You got to be careful because these things go out in the world and they can unmake you. Uh,
10: let's move over to Justin.
13: Look, I, I know that both of you guys are uh, good dudes and I'll echo all of the positive things that uh, Jenny said. I think that this is a fascinating topic, ironically. It, it is not the, the substance that is particularly uh, uh, the problem it is the handling and storing of this topic So if we are going to say that World's Greatest Con is an inspiration Then what I would really have loved for you guys to do Is to take inspiration from how we handled Nazis in the first season of that of that show We have to make them competent We have to make them human We have to make them relatable. And by the time that you get to the end of a four episode arc, you have to empathize with Hitler because he is the one who is getting conned, but it takes us four episodes to get there. It takes a lot of work. It takes explaining human psychology to eventually be there. And ultimately, what happened uh, is 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 this line? Uh, these guys were pretty determined to make things that unmade their enemies. If you're talking about gases and you're talking about Germany, you're talking about Cyclone B. You're talking about Auschwitz. Like, and and it's hard, tone wise, to get back from there. It is so easy to poison everything else that you did, and and, and unfortunately, I think that's just what happened here. But. It's a fascinating chemical. It's a great idea for a podcast, but uh, uh boy, I think I think you you exploded before anything even got started.
10: Thank you, Justin.
12: Uh Scott. Not a ton to add to those comments. I agree with much of it. Um conceptually, this is the kind of science and discovery I'm interested in with a historical bent. I think this wouldn't this would be a good show with the kind of attention to detail Justin just referred to. And with the kind of tonal changes that um, that Jenny is talking about, I agree with all of that. I think that there's something here. Honestly, I think this one could have missed a lot of those trappings had the discussion of those issues and the gravity of how terrible it was. That should have been kind of up front and center. And I just think it's really hard. So you guys bit off a lot to chew here. And I think it's really difficult. But from a technical execution standpoint, did a pretty good job. I just think there's something here to be learned about the topic and how to approach it because you
13: start in Nazi Germany. And now you're asking us to think about everything that happened in the chemical exploration of Nazi Germany, then we're in Auschwitz mentally. And, and uh, that's not where you want to be when you eventually want to take us to the stars and cleaning out
10: uh, a nuclear facilities. Very good. All right. Thank you, uh, Justin. Thank you, Scott. All right. Um, thank uh thank you for for
1: all of this and jenny i i am mortified right now because i'm i was blind and i wasn't seeing and i i really really want to apologize right now because well i
11: really appreciate it and i and i'm o- only sharing my yeah unadulterated uh like fury because it's it's like, a, it's a tough world out there right now for people yeah. who are talking. And what I wanted you to hear was, imagine that amplified by all of Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine, like, so I, I think the, and I want to take it back because I really, I, I, I know you folks are wonderful, right? Like, and I know this is just a thing that happened and it, it got by and something that was so fast, but like, you know, when the- in doubt, have a sensitivity read. Have someone, if you're going to talk about um, a a people or a race or a gender or whatever it is that's not uh, inherent to you, just get a couple eyes on it. Even if it's just family or friends or anything like um, uh, the rule is generally like if you're talking about the Nazis, like get another eye on it. You know, if you're talking about slavery and you are not of a culture that was oppressed by it got like three eyes on it, you know, and it's a, <laughs> it's like a protective measure. Thanks, Jenny.
10: All right, uh, and thank you, Key and Trip. Let's move over to questionable ivory drinks. They drew physics. Hello. All right, so hey, Marie, molecule. First off, come on, Molly, Molly, okay. molecule. Why, why not?
4: Well, it was a uh, September uh, suggested. Maybe we name her uh, Marie after Marie Curie. And yeah I, I, that's oh, what I thought that was smart
10: yeah that is smart all right
4: yeah right, and yeah. I, I love alliteration too so it, well I mean I guess the other one would have been alliterative
10: <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know maybe mine would have been a little too redundant so get <laughs> on you for for going the right way uh, you'll definitely looks like you're gonna get some points from Justin for that choice uh, <laughs> tell me about your guest voice this week you had uh, someone named Eliza join you
4: yeah she's this really weird kid who has been sleeping in my house for the past eleven years or so. Uh she's my daughter.
5: Liam was riding his friend Christopher's dirt bike and he didn't know how to ride a dirt bike and he hit the brakes and it freaking flipped over.
4: Um but uh okay. she she uh loves to perform. Uh she actually uh helped us out a lot. Oh. She does a lot of her own like animated videos where she does voiceover for them. A lot of them actually about anxiety, which is why I kind of focused in on her anxiety for this, because it's something
10: she kind of approaches in her own artwork. Oh, very cool. All right, well, let's get to our judges. We're going to start off uh, with Scott
12: this time. Okay, congratulations this week on being the best produced of the three. Oh, thank uh, you. I think by by a long shot. I really liked um, the quality of it. I struggled, though, with a thing that's probably just me, and based on the scores of my cohorts here, I think I might be alone in this, but I... <laughs> I'm not big on acting stuff. Acting's hard. Mm -hmm. And this struck me as, here's what it struck me as. It struck me as the audio track to an animated short. Mm -hmm. And if that's what this was, it would have been amazing because I think it fits that. And it was clearly, you know, kind of, well, let's, let's learn about x-rays and this sort of stuff. Let's learn it through the eyes of a kid. And I think that's valuable and good. And, and, you guys did that really well. I just get so hung up on we're playing a role here. And I think I'm mm-hmm. just not used to that. Keep being my science podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought the, the x-ray stuff, uh, the actual history of all that was really interesting and well portrayed, you know, overall uh, a really solid job here.
10: Get over to uh, Jenny to hear what her take is.
11: Um, okay. I also thought this podcast was really sound and um, I really liked uh, the specificity of the title. Like, I absolutely knew right away it was for kids. I thought it was a cute open. Um, it, you know what I think, maybe, Scott, is, like, the acting itself didn't bump me, although I feel like it kind of dragged on, like, the energy of it lessened. I, I've heard this so much in this podcast podcast competition that it bears discussing... There are these long pauses between speakers, especially when it's like two people going back and forth. Like when two people go back and forth in an actual conversation, it's not like, hello, I liked your podcast. Beat, beat. Thank you. I worked very hard on it. Beat, beat. Like, some. first of all, it's always better to do these things live and record your end of it. So that in edit, even if there is that pause when you're actually doing it because someone's like reading their lines or whatever, you can fix that. You can out cut it so that like someone's talking and someone jumps in over them. And like there's a way to manipulate that, even if it didn't happen in the live. Uh, And there's a way to get just as good quality. And I've heard it so many times that I really want you to think about how people talk. We really mimic the sound of real conversation. Um And the way people talk when they're excited about a topic, right? So mm-hmm. I, I guess that's where I would go is to challenge all of you in this competition to um think about how people actually talk. And also, like, just props to your daughter for doing such a great job. <laughs> like, I was like, who is this person? She's great. And I didn't know who it was. Like, I didn't know mm-hmm. the voice. So Yeah,
12: it felt like cheating a little, not saying it is, and it didn't count against
11: you. <laughs> she's, she's
5: that good. Yeah, like,
11: she was really she's great. Yeah, so I, I guess that's what I'm saying is just for all of you. This is not just a you guys uh, thing. It, it is please think about how people talk. And even if you just nudge a, a line of track just a little bit to the left uh, when mm-hmm. you're editing, it will it will make a difference.
10: All right, let's get over to Justin.
13: Yeah, unfortunately with stuff like that, there really isn't any other uh, lesson other than like use the force. Like you just kind of <laughs> have to like close your eyes and be like trust trust your instinct, the initial immediate instinct that says awkward or not awkward. Um and then make the adjustments accordingly, but uh, uh, that is what it is. Uh I don't appreciate Scott's uh, uh xenophobic comments about acting podcasts. <laughs> They're a viable part of the landscape. Uh I I don't know what kids podcasts sound like, but this one sounded like a kids podcast. <laughs> and uh I I think it I think it got what it uh what what it needed to. Uh this is my favorite of the week. Congratulations.
10: Thank you very much, yeah. Justin. Great. Good job, guys. And let's uh move over to the unsolicited manuscripts. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing?
9: Very well, thanks. Had some rose hip tea. Doing well.
10: <laughs> so uh, Kelly, Jason, and uh, you, Ken, picked biology this week. Um, you guys had a little bit of an advantage with Bell, uh, with Kelly's background in biology? Yeah? did that Did that almost provide too many directions to go in, or was it pretty easy to hone in on a well, a target there was
9: a lot of uh ideas thrown about uh mm-hmm. so we we landed on frogs we just thought the judges really needed to hear more about frogs
10: <laughs> all right well very good let's uh let's see what our judges thought we're gonna start this time with Justin
13: uh boy the big lesson of the week sound effects when why you've gotta have some kind of philosophy when it comes to your sound effects and i felt that they were random throughout the episode but the one reason why i have to bring it up and i had to ding you for it is that you got very silly with the sound effects specifically the la and the gaia Labamba
8: river it's so fun to say
13: but that undercuts when you are playing random things that go along with the themes you are undercutting or making me not believe that the actual frog sound that you play is the actual sound of the frog. Does that make sense? Like like you, you need to, you need to set these things up. And if you are doing things that, that uh, take its own attention, then you are distracting from it. Yeah. Um, With that being said, I liked your music design. I liked the stories I, I think that if you made the show uh, a little bit more atmospheric and a little bit less slapstick, it would have been one of my favorites of
12: the week. All right. Thank you, Justin. Let's get over to Scott. Okay. Um, I agree with a bunch of that. I think that it sounded the most podcasty though of the week. Um, and by that I mean no I acting. Know. No acting. Uh, <laughs> well, there was a little. You guys did some, you know, there was some acting. But I liked this approach of casual conversation. I'll admit I'm a sucker for the the usual NPR treatment on shows like this, especially science shows. And I like where it sounds like a couple of people having a really great conversation about an interesting topic.
8: They were wrong. This little guy was singing away and having a great old time. They even got him back to camp and got a microphone so that they could record him.
9: So he was just shy this whole time.
8: Right? He was waiting for his podcast debut. And let's let him have it. Are you ready to hear what he sounds like?
9: I'd I'd love to.
12: I felt like you guys had more of that here than, than anybody this week. And I liked that. So I would say props for that. The sound effects and stuff, that, that would break the illusion for me. This thing I just told you you did great at, that would be the time where I'd go, oh, maybe less of that. Um, you know, look at my notes. Here's the keyboard sounds of me looking up notes.
8: Let me get to the show notes.
12: Fine for a more scripted thing, but I think it, it went counter to what you were aiming for, which was this loose conversation. It actually went to something, I think it was Justin last week, who said, you know, leave your ums and us in, It's not always important that those go out. In fact, sometimes it takes away from what you're trying to do. And I felt like this was a good example of taking that advice and not being so precious about every pause and every word or every um or every whatever, whatever crutch words people have. You guys didn't get too wrapped up in that and I appreciated it. Um, So yeah, overall, a really, a really good job. And I, the tone of this one of the three this week is the one I like the most. Let's get over to uh, Jenny.
11: Okay. Um, was not a fan of the title of the podcast. Today on This is a Science Podcast. And if you think about the specificity of the other two, um, it's more apparent. Like I would just say, you know, try a little harder. Because like if if all that someone sees in their podcatcher is, this is a science podcast, uh, they're not going to click on it. There were these delays between speakers and the energy levels I thought of the speakers didn't match. It was like, one person was, like, super excited about frogs, and one person sounded like they did not want to be talking about frogs. Uh, but it, it, was, it did not kill it for me. It just was, like, um, uh, it was harder to get through than I thought something with frogs should be. Because I like frogs, and I like toads, and not all frogs are toads, but all toads are frogs. So I learned something
10: okay thank you jenny I, I didn't know that either so that uh count me as one of the ones who got educated by that as well so no notes on my uh, singing
12: <laughs> i did Wait, put was a that note. you singing La Bamba? yeah i put a note here where, where you sang and then you played the bomba again or something and i decided yeah. not to bring it up not because it was bad i just think it was you do know. you
13: want them thanks you, you thanks, got a, l- I... a largely good review just oh. leave <laughs> <laughs>
11: Uh, Stop talking up. now. <laughs> yeah, My mic's breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
10: Thank you, Ken. And thank you, uh, Unsolicited Manuscripts. All right. So we have, uh, speaking of scores, the judges have scored everything uh, with uh, eight different metrics in mind. Those scores have been tabulated. And our winner this week, well, despite some acting... That one of our judges wasn't a fan of. It is "Hey Marie Molecule" by Questionable Ivory Drinks. Congratulations, uh, Bill, in September. Oh Thank you, my Laura. goodness! Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going to tell Eliza. I guess Eliza gets some
12: congratulations. I
4: was going to say well. we were saying in our Discord. I'm going to tell Eliza that you guys almost accused me of
12: cheating because she was so good. So. <laughs> you should tell her that she was really she she really was she was awesome. excellent.
11: She has a future. Yeah, yeah
13: the show really the show doesn't work if she's not great, and she was great.
10: Uh, all right, now the tough part. We have to talk about which team's podcast lost this week. and the scores were a little bit tighter here between um, the other two teams. Um, our losing team this week is three the hard way. Sorry,, uh, trip and key. You know, tone obviously was the big uh, point that was driven home by our judges about this, this episode. And also of course content, you know, subject matter in, in the right handled the right way. They all, they all, you know, enjoyed, but tone and delivery and the way that that subject manage, uh, matter was presented was the uh, difficult part. So at this point, our judges and I are going to go over into the judges chambers and, uh, talk about, um, well, who's going to be leaving our competition this week? Sadly. All right. So, uh, world's most dangerous chemical was our losing podcast this time around. And um, what uh, you know, where was the the big failure here? And who do we think is is going home? Project manager and researcher were both key, and editor was trip.
12: Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's if if that's if project manager researcher equals who chose this topic and then didn't go in all the directions they needed to, to, to make it right.
11: It's just means, a writer. I mean, we don't have a writer.
12: So There's a lot of,
10: overlap. to me,
11: this was writing in tone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it research like is not inherently bad. And, and project manager inherently is like, well, nobody caught that. But the project manager and the researcher writer were the same person.
13: Yeah. If it comes out of your mouth, it's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like that's just it. Yeah. So nothing could have changed that we start at picture it's World War II and think of Nazis and think of all the things that Nazis did with chemicals. It's like, I I know it because I did it. He said it was world's greatest con. He's doing an impression of world's greatest con. The problem is with world's greatest con that we, A, we never come in on the thing that's happening. We come in on another story. That Brian is telling uh, uh, to set up the theme, and two, you know, we, we started. I mean, we we're very, very deliberate. That you, the first thing you do is call them the world's, you know, uh, uh, greatest villain. You need to get that out first and foremost. And if that's not the case, this is what happens otherwise. Because people run in their head with it, and the the places people can run are very painful. Like Jenny has express clarity of message Mm -hmm. is your job. And the reason why it's your job is because this is one of the worst ways it can go. If you're not careful.
11: Yeah. I think we've made our decision. All right.
10: Okay. We're back. And uh, the judges have discussed it. And and basically the way they looked at this is that the, the subject matter, the, the uh, story that you wanted to tell was a good one it's the way it was told. It's the tone in, in which it was told. And it was, uh, some, some issues with, uh, research. And, um, when Germans became Nazis and things like that, um, they didn't feel like there was any issues with the editing. And unfortunately that means that key, I'm sorry, but this is, uh, the, the end of the competition for you, man.
9: Okay.
1: And I completely understand. And again, I, I, I really want to apologize because as, as a, a black queer non-binary person missing, this is a failing on my part that I'm really going to be reflecting on
11: because my friend, can I jump in here for a second and just tell you that I have up so many times in so many different ways on perspective and One thing that you do in a podcast competition does not define you. Please don't let anything like this define you. This is just like, I'm going real fast. I'm cranking out the research. I'm cranking out the writing. I didn't have time to get anybody to read it. I do not hold trip unaccountable by the way, because when you're editing it, that's a great time to be like, does this line play? Right, and then you nuke it out, and you might have won the week. So please, yeah. please, please, d- oh, don't take my full reaction to heart. Call me; let's talk about it. I, I'll tell you yeah. all the embarrassing, terrible things I've done.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, we we had multiple reads on on everything from external people to try to get things, and I I just I feel horrible that that caused that visceral of a reaction again, I really want to apologize and I want to thank everybody so much for, for the opportunity and the knowledge. I feel that I am a better, a, a better producer because of this.
13: You're an extraordinarily talented person. And I know you from outside of this competition. Uh, I think you acquitted yourself extraordinarily well through the vast majority of it, including this episode. Uh, this is a reality that the bigger you get the more people will listen to you. The more people yeah. who listen to you the more that you are going to be out of control of how they're going to take the message. And right. the uh, we we see that now more than ever.
11: Just keep on going. Just say and and by the way like thank you so much for taking that note so beautifully. Like that means a lot. And so I know coming from your background, what that means. Like, so please, this, this doesn't go one second beyond this podcast. It's just like a thing that happens totally fine. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear your voice in the world.
10: Yeah. As always the, you know, the judges review the podcast not the person. It has been an absolute pleasure having you in the competition key. All right, teams, are you ready for your next challenge? Well, congratulations to all of you. You are our top half contestants. You've made it pretty far in this competition, and you've really been through the ringer. You've been given impossibly difficult challenges, and you've been made to put together episodes in under a week. Heck, we've even made you design your own form of torture in one of those weeks. Bobby did anyway. This (laughs) this process has been tough. You could all really use a bit of a lighthearted challenge that will bring a smile to your faces and maybe even make you laugh a little bit. So I think it's time to dust off a challenge that always makes things a bit cheerier around the AMTP production halls. I think it's time for comedy week. This will help ease some tensions a little bit, right? Uh, This week, it'll be your job to create a comedy podcast. Now we're not going to put too many restrictions on you on how you do that. Come up with something that's going to make us and the judges laugh. However, there is one important restriction You have to use archival audio in your submission. You can use archive audio from any source as long as it's legal to do so. And if you need a really good source for license-free audio, one of the best places to start is the Prelinger archives on archive.org. Really fun stuff in there and and stuff that'll get your juices flowing for creativity. Comedy is hard. You probably already know that since you kind of inflicted it on yourself a couple weeks ago. However, this week we're going to give you a little help Karen Foreman is an actor and stand-up living in Los Angeles. She's done commercials, appeared on Parks and Recreation, as well as several indie films. Currently, she's doing stand-up monthly at the Hollywood Improv, and she does an improvised podcast called Sonder. It's kind of a Twilight Zone-esque show based on the audience suggestion of what did you believe was true as a child that you know now isn't true? Karen is going to be your special comedy coach for this week. She'll be available to meet with each team tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern. Maybe she'll be able to help you get a little closer to the punch on your Comedy Week submission. As always, you're also going to get coaching from Tom Merritt, who in past seasons has provided comedy suggestions that the teams didn't always follow, and it cost them the win. So listen to Tom. And also this week, we're raising the maximum length of your submission from 10 minutes to 15 minutes. Why? Well, because we're also going to change the teams up a little bit down to two teams of three contestants. Uh, So more people in the comedy writers room is always a good thing, right? So the new teams you'll notice uh, don't change a whole lot. The new teams are the following Ken, Kelly, and Jason. You guys are staying together. Bill and September, you're staying together and you're gaining a trip. So a trip. You're going to be joining the questionable ivory drinks and unsolicited manuscripts are going to be staying the same figure out why why really upset the apple cart right before comedy week right uh as always treat this episode like it's one episode in a series and of course uh make make us do your best to make us laugh you know it's not always easy judges any suggestions for our
12: teams no suggestions just oh, this this is the one man this is the one it's yeah, so hard and this one's already been a this ch- challenge or this season's already been a challenge and a half
11: Here's my advice. Tis better to be less funny than more too funny. Like, if you're not actually funny, and funny is not a thing you're known for, just try to get by. Don't, don't shoot for the stars. Just have a conversation uh, 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 or do whatever it is you're going to do just enough. Because the only thing more painful than an unfunny podcast is one that's trying so hard to be funny that it's unbearable.
13: Jenny's spot on the mm-hmm. weird thing about comedy is that often the less you try to be funny, um, the the more funny you are. Uh, there's a lot of things that are funny about you that you might not realize. It takes comedians very, very long to figure that out sometimes. It's literally the definition of being a professional. Uh, this is a hard.
10: Hard challenge. Godspeed. All right. That is going to do it for this episode. On behalf of our judges, our coach, our producers, and everybody who works so hard behind the scenes to keep all the wheels moving. This is Brian. i saying, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on America's next top podcaster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <coughs> uh, I-
1: Hi, um, signed here, and, um, yeah, so that happened, and, um, you know, it's, it's actually fair. This is actually a very, very good point. As a non-binary queer person of color, um, I completely understand how... Bad, it sounds when someone you like, someone that has a voice that you, you listen to, um, just says something that is just off or wrong or rude or just bad. And it's important for us to kind of all reflect and make sure that what we're saying and what we intend to say are one in the same and it may sound like it's a simple thing but it is a very 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 hard thing to do especially when you're kind of getting outside of your comfort area and talking about a topic that you might not be an expert on you know this is just one lesson that everybody's able to internalize and really take the heart um, I've learned so much and I'm going to be doing so much awesome stuff um, with um, the sine wave show, my comedy thing. And then also um, an unnamed show that I am not going to mention because it kind of bubbled out of my love of everything that I've been doing here. So um, yeah, look out for that and look out for me because um, um, apparently I- I'm, I'm not going to be deleted.
11: America's Next Top Podcaster is hosted and created by Brian Ebbett. Hammond Chamberlain is our executive producer. The show is written and edited by our producer, Bobby Frankenberger. Alex Albisu conducts our post interviews and is our Patreon manager. Social media community manager is me, Monica Stone. Thanks to all our patrons and sponsors – and most of all, thank you for listening. For more information, go to AmericasNextTopPodcaster.com.